welcome to the AOL podcast. Let's dive right into this week's message. God, we worship you tonight. We thank you that your name is above depression. God, your name is above sickness. Your name is above defeat. Your name is above loneliness. Your name is above hurt of any kind. Your name is above unforgiveness. And so, God, tonight, I pray, Lord, that whatever thing that has come, maybe in our head to harm us, to bring us down or pull us in this way or that way, God, I pray that tonight that we would sense a sense of peace, a sense of freedom. Lord, as we sing about your name, we can't help but think of who you are, the lily of the valley, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so, God, we just don't only sing of your name. We declare your name on this earth. We declare your name in our family. We declare your name in our situation. We declare your name in our marriages. We declare your name over our children. And so, God, tonight, I just pray right now, Lord, strength. God, we come on a Wednesday night, halfway through the week, to get filled up, God, with your presence, with your spirit. Lord, minister to us tonight. Lord, we came here. We came here to meet with you. And so, Lord, I pray that your word goes forth, that it accomplishes what it's meant and it's sent to do. I pray, God, tonight that you would speak clearly. Your word is living. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Lord, any kind of growth that the enemies tried to put on us, any kind of hurt, any kind of damage, God, I pray that tonight that the Word of God cuts. It cuts. It's a vital of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And so, God, tonight we receive you. Meet with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Well, why don't you shake somebody's hand next to you and tell you, tell them. You may have to tell yourself, too. I'm so glad you came to church tonight. All right. We got the frozen chosen here. I got good news for all of you. You all get to go to heaven. Amen. If you came tonight, if you have your Bibles, open them to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew 5. You guys be praying for me. I, I'm, uh, it's tonight and then tomorrow night and Friday night, I've been asked to speak at a D now with... Uh, a bunch of youth, and uh, I told the guy when he called me, I said, man, I think I've lost my mojo with youth, but I'll see if I, I still got it, uh, I, but I know this, I know the anointing breaks the yokes and bondages of sin and death, and uh, I may not be as relevant, I, my kids teach me words all the time, like giot, and uh, what are some other ones that they say that I, I just... Bussin, come on. <laughs> they say on God, uh, cap, that's cap. And so all the time I'm, I'm like in the urban dictionary of what the heck my kids are saying. And so uh, I won't be doing any of that, but I believe the word will go forth and it'll penetrate hearts and minds. Amen. And so, um, but what's, this is what's wild is he gave me the direction of where he wants to go. This guy particularly called me in the same day. Uh, uh, 
uh, a gal called me from Dumas and said, hey, I would like to, you, for you to come do a youth rally. And that night we went, there was 92 kids that showed up to that inside of Dumas, Texas. Come on. How many of y'all know demons need the word of God? <laughs> Dumas demons, that's their, those of you that ain't from here, uh, that's their mascot, demons. I, I believe if I lived in Dumas, we would drive to like somewhere else, Stratford, to put our kids so they wouldn't have to be a demon. So, but both of them, uh, Dumas and, and this weekend with the D now, uh, this was the direction. They said Matthew chapter 5, 13 through 16. So you guys are going to be the guinea pig of uh, maybe half of the message or one quarter of it. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13, New American Standard says this, You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? Now, I do know this, that that is a word for the teenagers today. She's being salty. That's not a good term. She's being, she's being spicy, all right? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by people. It says, you are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Your light must shine before people in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, many of you that if you've been a part of this house, you've heard me teach on the Sermon on the Mount many times before. I was thinking back, it was actually in 2021, that I started off the year on preaching on the Beatitudes. How many of y'all were here when I preached on the Beatitudes? I might need to bring that back because he's talking about an attitude that we as believers need to have. Some of y'all are getting an F on some of these. But I, I, I'm your pastor. I can point fingers if I want to, all right? He talks about a personal relationship, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. He talks about when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. And uh, he talks about... Uh, the cure for anxiety. He talks about judging others. He talks about if you divorce, remarry. He talks about the golden rule. Uh, so much good. And of course, he ends it with uh, the man who, or, or talking about uh, two foundations, one that's built upon the rock and one that's built upon the sand. And he's basically, and if, if you know the word of God, you've heard me talk about this in Revelation chapter <clears throat> four, when he's looking out in the sea of glass, he sees four faces. He sees the lion, he sees the ox, he sees the eagle, and he sees the man. And those four faces mean are, are, are talking about the four different faces of the Messiah. But the book of Matthew, we see him as the lion, and he is the king of the jungle. And in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he is saying this, that you may live in this world, but you are not of this world. He's covering lots of topics here, but on the northern slope of the Sea of Galilee, and he's saying this is not for your life. This is a way of life. That you may, like I said before, you may live in this world, but not, you are not of this world. And how many of y'all know Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is showing us a way that we should live our life? And it's attitude in, in the first part of chapter 5, and it's followed by a challenge. And as I read verses 13, you are the salt of the earth. Verse 14, you are the light of the world. This is not a suggestion. This is a mandate of how we ought to live our life. And the only time that Jesus uses metaphor to describe us is right here. He calls us the salt of the earth. He says, you are. 
Like I said, it's not a suggestion, but he points. It's like, you are the salt of the earth, and you are the light of the world. It's the only place that I can find in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that he uses a metaphor to describe you and me. And the salt of the earth and the light of the world, it means bringing influence and impact in our world. How many of y'all know the Great Commission is go into all the world and preach the gospel? And lots of times we take that as, well, i got to be a missionary. i got to eat rice in China and uh, live inside some hut somewhere. Do I believe there is people that are called to that harvest? Yes, I do. But I also believe that your world is at Pakasak. Your world is at United. Your, your world is at Wellshod. That's my world. Your, your world is uh, wherever. It's at the barn. It's in the parking lot. How many of y'all know our world consists of different places? And if you have kids, there's a lots of stops that you make along the way. He wants us to be like him wherever we go. Christians are to have a global impact. I wrote this down. Christians are to have a global impact and influence for Jesus. And it starts right where each person lives, works, trades, or goes to school. How many of y'all know in 2024... And, and, and this message may not be for you, but this might be something just to put a little cattle prod in your side to uh, hot shot you to get off the sidelines and get in the game. I mean, y'all know your faith is, is not just about getting to heaven. I'm going to say that again. Your faith is not about just getting to heaven. There's lots of people when they give their life to the Lord, I can tell it when they come up here, it's just fire insurance. I, can, I promise you I can give a great altar call to scare the hell out of people. But, but what's very important is right here he's given us a mandate. You are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. That it's not just about getting into heaven. It's about us taking as many people as you can with you. How many of y'all know God's called us to be an influence in this world today? And, it, and it's time. It's time to get off the sidelines. And so... I've heard people say this before. You know, I, I shoot horses for the public all the time. And one of the things that uh, people tell me, they know that I'm, I'm, I'm a pastor. And, you know, when they screw up and say a curse word, they're like, I'm sorry, you know, preacher. And then they say another one, and then they say another one, and then, and then they quit saying they're sorry. But, but one of, uh, and, and, you know, it's not like I point a f- finger at them. But you know what I hear a lot is this. You know, I love the Lord. And I love to, um, uh, you know, I, I, I know that I'm going to heaven, but I've heard this. I'm sure you've heard this before, but my faith is private. Can I tell you, church, there's nowhere in Scripture that it says that your faith is private. I'm going to say that again. Your faith is not private. And I believe if you're here tonight, you have a heart for God's word. You have a heart for his presence. You have a heart for him to work in your life. And you don't have a heart that says my faith is private. Because when I read this, you are the light of the world. Well, you are the salt of the earth. Is this what Jesus wants? Is our, is our faith to be private? How many of y'all notice? You notice salt. When there's salt, you notice it. When there's not salt, you notice it. When there is light, you notice it. Like if I turned all the lights out in here, you would know it. But you know what I, I've seen? I hate to even say that, say this, but in the world we're living in today, we've learned how to navigate in the dark. Have we not? We've, had, we've learned how to compromise. But I'm just, I hope we put a per, spur in everybody's side, including myself tonight, 
that we, we're going to turn some lights on. And how many of y'all know God's not called us to be silent? God's not called us to be passive. God's not called us to be embarrassed or irrelevant in our faith. But he has called us to be engaged in our culture. God's called us to promote the word. God's called us to speak the truth. God's called us to live for him every single day. Now I want to talk about the two things together tonight, salt and light. Everybody say salt and light. There's three things that, as I've studied this before, but there's, I added one to it that I haven't seen before, but there's three things. When you put these things together, uh, three of them, they, they have three things in common. There may be four, there may be five, there may be ten, I don't know, but tonight, these are mine. You need both of them to live. You need both salt and light in order to live. If you have too low of salt, you will die. Your blood pressure will drop, and you will go into a coma, and you will die. If, so what I'm saying is this. If you take salt away from the culture, it'll die. How many of y'all know I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it? If you take the church away from the culture, come on, uh, salt also, too, another thing that salt does is it wakes people up. How many of y'all know we ought to be the church in 2024 that starts waking some people up to some things? Uh, also, too, light. You need it in order to live. In not enough light, vegetation dies. It has to have light in order for it to grow. Also, too, if you study light, uh, people that aren't in the light, like people who live in Alaska, there's like times of the year where... The sun's only up for 30 minutes, right? And then there's another time where uh, the sun's up for 23 and a half hours and it goes down for like 30 minutes. That would be more of my lifestyle for sure. But they say those people that went that time in Alaska during, during that time and they call it something, I didn't write it down, but they have a word for it that more people are on anxiety meds during that time than any other time. How many of y'all know you've got to have the lights on, Right? You've got to have the lights on in order to live. Here's the second thing that they have in common. They both purify and they both heal. Salt is a good antiseptic. Light is a good disinfectant. Here's the third one, if you're writing them down. Both salt and light have penetrating properties. Salt penetrates food and it gives it flavor. Light penetrates the darkness. Light penetrates the darkness. You guys awake tonight? So both of them, they invade the space they're introduced to. What I'm getting at, they both invade the space that they're introduced to. They both invade. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. How many of y'all know we ought to be people and believers that are invaders of the space that we are introduced to every day. See, neither one of them, when I see this, both have penetrating properties. Neither one of them are neutral. They both promote change. Now, tonight, I really want to hit the topic of salt. Everybody say salt. You know, as I, and I, I learned this in Bible school and went on the, the history of like the first century that salt is a precious commodity, and it, and it was in the first century for sure. But salt, when you break it down... Uh, it's sodium chloride, and it's 40% sodium, and it's 60% chloride, sodium chloride. 
and it makes up 28% of your body weight. Isn't that something? And in the first century, Roman soldiers, they would be paid in salt. And if people had a salt cellar in their home, they would be wealthy people. And depending on how much they like you, when they would bring you to their house and feed you a meal, the closer they sat somebody to the salt cellar, the better they liked them. But if you were at the other end of the table, you probably weren't ever coming back again. All right? Uh, uh, this is something to me. The, the Latin word in the first century, the Romans would use it as solarium. Solarium. And it is of or pertaining to salt, but that's where we get our English word salary. Meaning this, this was something that people would get paid in because it was such a precious commodity. You guys awake tonight? Are you learning something so far? Also read this story today. I'd never heard this before. That there was a place called in Saltville, West Virginia, that during the Civil War, the Confederates had a salt mine there. And uh, one, of, one of the first things that the Union Army did was go to this salt mine and they destroyed it. You know why they destroyed it? They destroyed it because that would get rid of the Confederates. The Confederates wouldn't have salt anymore. Well, what does that mean? That means that they couldn't go out to war and preserve their food. They also couldn't preserve their leather of things that they were making. So what they're doing, like their, their boots that they wore uh, in war. And so they, they couldn't go out to battle because of salt. But it's sodium and chloride. Now... This is what I, I, I was thinking about. Now, I'm no scientist, but I know this. H2O is two hydrogen, one oxygen. So if it's 40% sodium and it's 60% chloride, I know that there, when there's a, there's a chemical reaction that takes place when 40% of sodium and 60% of chloride come together, it makes what we call salt. Now, how many of y'all know there, there is a difference, there is a reaction that takes place in order to take salt? Now, I'm going to try not to preach and raise my voice, but how many of y'all know there is a reaction that should take place when a sinner gets connected to grace? Oh, boy, I hope you heard that tonight because I don't know about you. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once was poor, but now I'm rich. Come on, Wednesday night. Can we not have church tonight? How many of y'all know there ought to be a reaction? There ought to be a reaction in us. There, there ought to be a reaction when repentance meets faith. When repentance, you can't just repent on, just have repentance, but when you mix repentance with faith, I'm telling you, there is power that comes into your life. I figured I'd get more amens than that, but that's okay. That's, I, that's all right. I'm preaching to myself tonight. I want you to think about all the little different things of how precious salt is. You've heard the term, take it with a grain of salt, because... Just a little grain of salt, it's not worth much. When you get a bunch of grains together, it means something. Uh, if you spilled salt back in the day, it was something that was super disgraceful. And I did not know this until I studied this uh, actually a few years ago. But in Leonardo da Vinci's picture of the Last Supper, Judas, who is next to G Jesus, if you know the picture I'm talking about, if you notice, his right hand is has... It has money, but it's knocking over the salt shaker. Basically, he was, putting, he was putting it out there. Not only was he turning his back on Jesus, but it was something that was so shameful of what he was doing. 14,000 uses for salt. 14,000. Over 14,000. Uh, raises the boiling point of water. It lowers the freezing point of ice. It removes rust. 
It puts out grease fires, makes candles drip less. I didn't know that. Honey, we got to try it. It preserves cut flowers. That's what they do at United, that little packet they give you when they, you know when you buy flowers for your wife on Valentine's Day coming up, coming around the corner. Here she comes. Uh, it kills poison ivy. It also, uh, how many of y'all had that grandmother that would make you that salt water when you had a sore throat? She also put that brown bottle from underneath the cabinet. She put a little dab of that in there too. <laughs> Maybe my granny was the only one that did it. But praise the Lord, I love to go to granny's house, all right? Also two salts, good for an earache, and a lot of us have done that. So there, that's some of the uses. But the primary use, and this is really what I want to hit on tonight, is this. Primary use for salt is seasoning. Everybody say seasoning. What it does is it pulls the flavor out of the meal. I didn't realize what salt does. So when you cook with salt, but then when you put salt on it, what salt does is there's a chemical reaction that happens on your taste buds that will pull out, it will pull out all the good stuff. Like when you eat a tomato, you know when you cut it open? I, I don't, but you guys do. That is the one food group I stay away from. But I like ketchup and pizza sauce and all that other stuff, but I just don't like, I don't know what it is, but he must have made those on the eighth day when he was, you know, whatever. But you, you, you put even salt, you know, that's even on broccoli. Isn't it amazing how it brings out that taste of broccoli so much more? And so as I was thinking about this, you, I, me, us, we are the salt of the earth. The primary use being seasoning. It pulls the flavor out of the meal. I want to ask you tonight as people, and I want you to think about your job with your family, with your kids, inside your house, at Packersack, at United. Are you pulling the best out of people or the worst out of people? Man, it's quiet in here. I can hear crickets back in the children's church. Are you somebody, I want you to think about your life, are you somebody that pulls the best out of somebody? Or are you somebody that pulls the worst out of somebody? You know, I, I believe there are some people that they know what kind of buttons to push, and, and, and they do that on purpose. But I don't know about you, but I want to be somebody. And I want to get around people that pulls the best out of me. I don't know about you. I, and, you know, maybe you need to take a pew check. You're not with very many people on a Wednesday night. But maybe on a Sunday morning you ought to do a pew check that says, you know what? I, I, am I going to be influenced by the people that are in this row? Because if I feel like shouting, I'm going to shout. If I feel like raising my hands, I'm going to raise my hands. If I'm going to say preach white boy to the preacher or whatever it is. We need to do a pew check sometimes of sitting and being around people that's going to pull the best out of us and not the worst out of us. Are you hearing me tonight? He said, you are the salt of the earth. Parents, we ought to be people that bring the best out of our kids, not the worst out of our kids. We, we ought to be the, we, in, our, in our marriages, we ought to be the salt of the earth where we pull the best out of our spouse and not the worst out of our spouse. I know how to bring the worst out of her. She knows how to bring the worst out of me. But you know what makes us have a good marriage is I pull the best things out of her. The things that bless her, the things that minister to her. I'm just asking you, you may not be reaching your neighbor because you're not pulling the best things out of them. You're not, you may not be reaching the uh, uh, people that you work with because you're not pulling the, the, 
the best out of them. There may be, you may have a, a little kid that's on a team and, and the coach, you may not like them, but you may be changing your mind tonight because you see that God has you in the place for such a time as this to pull the best things in 2024. Come on, the church needs a wake-up call. People are sick of the church, but if we're the salt of the earth, my, my youth pastor used to say this, and I've heard people say this ever since, but this is the first person I ever heard of them. The word says, taste and see that the Lord is good, and that his mercy endures forever. How many of y'all out there that have tasted and seen that the Lord is good? I, amen, I'll lift my hand. I've tasted and seen. But think about this. If people are going to taste and see that the Lord is good, we've got to be salt and light. Right? Because salt makes people thirsty. They got to taste Jesus on the inside of you. Rather than tell people how bad they are, let's show them the good news. Let's show them the good news. You know, I, I've, I've been in churches before where they just beat you up. The wages of sin is death. Let's talk about hey, yo, oh, it's like three syllables. Should we talk about hell? Yes, we should. It's a place. But rather than just talking about the wages of sin is death, how about we come to a place where we focus on but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Right? Come on. There's some people that beat you over the head. Is that true? Yes, it is. But let's not stop there. The gift of God is eternal life. Though your sins be as scarlet, they can be whiter than snow. I'm just saying let's focus on the snow part rather than the scarlet part. And if we're not beating them up, what we're doing, and, and listen, the reason I'm saying that is I follow some of y'all on Facebook, even myself, right? I, can I just tell you, I've never talked anybody into believing what I believe through my being a keyboard warrior, right? But if we're not beating them up, you know what lots of times I see is we're conforming with them. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So the first one, everybody say seasoning. You guys getting something out of salt tonight? All right. This is a salty message. Number two is this, preservative. Everybody say it's a preservative. One of the first times I ever saw that is watching uh, the Alaska Frontier on the Discovery Channel. It's amazing how many fish they catch in the summertime. They kill stuff, and what they do is, is they... They put all kinds of salt on it. In fact, in the book of Ezekiel, as I was studying, looking up words of salt, it talks about a baby and salt. And I kind of read into that, into some, um, some literature into that, that in, way back, even in the old biblical times, the Old Testament, when a baby would come out, uh, especially out of that birth canal, they would realize that there would be bacteria all over them, and they would cover them in salt to kill all of that bacteria. To preserve their life is what they would do. But it's a preservative. And you know what God's called us to do is preserve God's truth. If nobody else stands for the word of God, we ought to. Amen? If nobody else stands for the word of God, I'm going to. And, and you know how you preserve it? We need, to, we need to be careful of what we watch on TV. Music that we listen to. And, and what preservative does is it prevents unwanted growth. Think about this. A preservative, which our food is full of them today, by the way, it prevents unwanted growth. If salt is in soil, 
plants won't grow. If salt is on meat, bacteria won't grow. So where you see plants growing where it shouldn't, If there's places in your life that things are growing up where it shouldn't, you need to put a little salt on it. And filth where it shouldn't be, the salt has lost its flavor. What we got to do is we got to read the word. We got to study the world word. If I if I have to st- I I've came to the point like this, if I have to stand all by myself, I'm okay with doing that. Because there's got to be salt in the earth. And you know, you don't have to be rude about this. You don't have to be crude about this. But you know, in, in the workplace and wherever you are, in whatever situation, there are some a, a people of God, we've got to take a stand. You've got to take a stand and you've got to preserve the word of God. Everybody else might be doing it. Like I'm thinking about t- talking to these teenagers. Everybody, you know, the shows on television, it's crazy. 90% of the shows like on MTV, they always got to have like one a person that's a homosexual or, or, or several in there. Now they're having these cats and dogs and these people that are furries and things like that. And what happens is inside of their mind that if every show has one of these things in it, they begin to think to themselves, am I one of those? And see, what's scary is the, the world we're living in with our young people, what they need to know more than anything else is identity. And what you need to know as a believer is your identity. You're a chosen generation. Amen? A royal priesthood. God, uh, you are chosen. You're, you're the head and you're not the tail. You're above and you're not beneath. You're a new creation in Christ. Old things have be- passed away. Behold, everything has become brand new. And if I, I, I've came to the place of this. If I have to stand all by myself, we're going to. We, we, uh, you know, we play sports, club sports, and it's amazing how these families, of, of we, we've been on trips and... It's like they, they feel so guilty when they, they find out that we're ministers of the gospel because they want to go out and drink and party and do all those different things. And it's almost, uh, and, and, and it's almost like they want to make us an outcast. That's okay. I'll be an outcast. But you know what? You know what I've learned too also? You know the person that they call when their life gets flipped upside down? They call the one that's an outcast. Because they need salt in their life to preserve something. Amen? Come on. It preserves. It preserves. It preserves. A thousand may fall at my side, 10,000 at my right hand, but none will come near my dwelling place. The word of God is going to preserve me in the end. How many of y'all know we only got worse deals in 24, Matthew 24, my amp up even more. It's an election year. We know all of this, but you know what's going to preserve me? The B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. All right? Here's the third thing. Water is a catalyst. And, or not water, salt. We're talking about, not water, we're talking about salt. But this is the point that I want to get here is like in our house, we have this Culligan system. Those of you that love Amarillo water, it's real good. But if that's what you're used to, that's what you're used to. But what we have at our house is we have this Culligan machine. And, and it's out in the garage, and it's hooked up to our water system. And what they do is, is they come in, 
every so often. How long? How often do they come? Once a month, they come by the house, and they know where it's at, and they go, and they what do they do? They dump tons of salt in there. And not that there's not already salt in our emerald water. There's probably not very much. But what it's doing is, is it's purifying it. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. Because when water flows through the salt, it gets rid of impurities. And I thought about the word. The Bible tells us this, the washing of the water of the word. How many of y'all know we've got to have salt in our world today? Think about this. It gets rid of impurities. So I want to have salt in my marriage. I want to have salt in my home. I want to have salt in my conversations. I want to have salt in my Facebook page. That's water. But also, too, when water is frozen, I'm ready for, I'm ready for summertime when we have that uh, homemade ice cream. But what do you do? You, you, those of you that are still old-fashioned, you got the crank. You know what I'm talking about? All right? I don't have one of those, but maybe you do. Uh, but you got the crank, and what do you do? You, you put some ice all around that, and you put salt on it. Why do you put salt on it? Because what it does is it begins to melt that, and it makes it even colder. It melts, salt melts the ice. And as I begin to study this out, I believe the Lord told me this. The Lord reminded me in Matthew 24 that in the last days, hearts would wax cold. Salt will melt cold hearts salt will melt cold hearts you know what you do when you come on a sunday morning and the word of god is preached with under the anointing what i'm doing is this i'm salting and i believe there is kids in the room that have a hard heart or a hurt heart or a marriage that has a cold heart or the loss of somebody it has a cold heart and what I believe the word of God does is us putting salt out there is it's melting that cold heart. How many of y'all know he takes a heart of stone and he makes it a heart of flesh? The book of Ezekiel tells us. And so he's, he, salt melts that cold heart. You may know someone that don't want to hear it, but I just want to tell you tonight, keep scattering the salt. Keep living by the principles and teachings of the word of God. You stay true to the word of God. You, you, you don't compromise. You don't talk like they talk. You don't walk like they walk. You don't live the way that they live. You keep being salt, and what's going to eventually happen is saying, you got something that I need. I can taste something when I get around you that makes my taste buds. I'm tasting and I'm seeing that the Lord is good and that his mercy endures forever. So here's the second part of this is the application. Well, pastor, how do we do this? Number one, write this down. We are the salt. Salt of the world. All of us. Not just the preacher. Come on, I hope you get that. If you write anything down, not just the preacher. Not just Pastor Travis. Not just Pastor Robert. Not just Don. Not just Pastor T. Not just Pastor Brandy. Come on, not just the elites. God's called you to be salt. Come on, he's called you to be salt at your workplace. He's called us to be salt at Walmart. Of all places, you ought to be salt there. Amen? I mean, all know the church is anointed to change the world. The church is. Not the country club, not the Lions club, not the rotary club, not the down at the club. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
not your school's clubs, not any of those things. The church is called to be the salt. Number two is this. We bring flavor to the earth. God's called us to bring flavor to the earth. But think about this. To the earth. To the earth. To Bell Street. To Coulter. To Bushland. To Claude. Dumas, Texas. To the earth. Not the church. And you might be good at church. But salt around salt is just more salt. We need salt in the earth today. We need salt in the earth today. Now, some of y'all are so good. Maybe not y'all. Y'all are the Wednesday night crowd. Y'all are like real Christians. Y'all are the real ones. But can I tell you, like in the second service, the first service, a little, first service is always a little more Christian than even the second. Hey, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. In the second service, you had people there with the midnight rodeo all night long making bad decisions, but thank God they did come to the house of God, and we throw a little salt on their cold hearts. Amen? That's what we're doing, all right? Not all of them. I got some second service people in here that are looking at me with bad eyes, all right? Y'all forgive me, all right? It's amazing. I'm looking out here, and most of y'all are all second service dwellers. All right, let's make fun of the first service. First service is a bunch of reprobates. (laughs) Amen? Can I get an amen, all right? Oh, golly. Know your crowd. I'm literally looking out here and like, oh, my gosh, not one person in here goes to the first first service. And I, except for y'all, amen. All right, sorry, we're making fun of you guys, all right? But um, my, my whole point is, is lots of times, and can I tell you, I can say this with all confidence because I've been raised in the church. I know how to play church. I know how to pray. I know how to quote scripture. I know how to sit in that pew and act the part. Look the part, smell the part, do it all, do the part, but not have that true relationship with Jesus Christ. And when I get in the dark, other things happen. And can I tell you, we, I hate to tell you this, but the first service is full of them. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All right. But we have churches that are full of them. And I'm telling you this because if you're not careful, you will be the same way. You will treat the house of God as not as a precious commodity like salt is. You'll treat it as a place of this is just what we do. We go at 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings or 1045, whatever it is. You can even go to the Bible study. You can do all of those things, can't, can't you, Ray? You can go through all the motions. You can wear the T-shirt, have the crosses all over your wall, even listen to Air One and be lost as a ball in high weeds. But can I tell you what we need? We need salt in the earth today. We need salt in the pews. Don't get me wrong, but I'm telling you, we, what we need is we, we need salt around the drunk. Right? We need salt around the drug addict. We need salt around the person that has a marriage that's barely holding on. Of people in your life that God's influenced you. God's called you to be salt. That's not the time where you just be another weed in the earth. That's a time where you be a salt and you bring the best out of somebody. 
that greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Let me introduce you to somebody. Let me show you a light that in this dark place that you're at. We, we need salt out there. You know, it, 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 it hurts me. The Bible does tell us, don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And there's people that take that to a place of, well, I've got to quit my job because I work with a bunch of heathen people. No. I always say this all the time. When the rapture takes place, I hope I'm in a room full of reprobates. I'm going to grab one by each hand, and as we're going up, I'm going to say, you either give your life to Jesus right now, or I'm going to drop you 5,000 feet right here. Right? No, I'm being serious. Now, should we connect our hearts? Should we trade with them? No, we shouldn't do those things. Uh, be not um, together with unbelievers. Uh, unequally yoked. That means this, that I'm yoking up, that I'm, that I'm, I'm like this. I'm connected with somebody. I, I, I shouldn't be that, but what I should be is salt to them. Amen? Because they have wounds, and you, you carry the healer. Are y'all hearing me tonight? I hope you get this inside of your heart, all right? We, we, we do need salt in the pews, but what's more important in 2024 is that the church goes out and be salt to neighbors, be salt to the reprobate. Come on, be salt to the one that needs it. It says, but if the salt has become tasteless or loses its flavor, see, there's a problem with losing saltiness. If the church loses its saltiness, how will the world be salty, salted? If the church loses its saltiness, how will the world ever be salted? It says, if you lose your saltiness, this is what happens. It's no longer good for anything. So the first thing is this. If you lose your saltiness, you ain't good for nothing. Isn't that a stout word? Like you're just taking up a pew. No, I'm being real. You're good for nothing. This, this isn't in my words. This is Jesus. He said, you, you're no longer good for anything. So number one, you're good for nothing except to be thrown out. Number two, you're thrown out. And number three, you're trampled underfoot by men. How I many of y'all know before you came to Jesus, you were all, all of those things? So he's saying you either be salt or you stay the person you were. How I many of y'all know this is a heavy word? And can I tell you, the world is no longer interested in Christians. People are hurt by them. And I'll tell you why. It's because our walk has not matched our talk. And if you're going to be a salty person, your walk has got to match your talk. Your walk has got to match your Facebook page with scriptures all over it. Your walk's got to match your Instagram your walk's got to match the text messages that you send out to people. Your walk's got to match the way you treat the clerk at the restaurant. Your walk's got to match the way that you treat. I, you know, my, my brother served tables for years, and he said the people that we hate the most is Sunday afternoon crowd. They don't tip. Can I tell you what we do? We tip good. And I always, if there's something, if there's something on the, um, of course, we're always good to him. Sometimes, you know, if they're there while we're praying, it's a 
well, how can I pray for you? What do you need? Can I tell you, every single one of them have, they need prayer. Like, they don't even have to question it. They're like, oh, my gosh, they'll rat off the list. Oh, Lord, have mercy. All right, touch him, Lord. <laughs> Set him free. Can I tell you, I, I'm, just, I, I, I'm just pleading with the body of Christ. He said, you are the salt of the earth. This is not something you can and cannot be. This is something that I'm mandating you to be. You are the salt of the earth. Look what John Stott said this. I'm not even going to get the light. No. It's like I preached that much longer on light. But look what John Stott said. He said this. Uh, this is an Anglican. Um, he died in 2011, and I came across a lot of great sayings that he said. But he said, if the house is dark when nightfall comes, there is no sense in blaming the house. That is what happens when the sun goes down. The question to ask is, where is the light? Similarly, if the meat goes bad and becomes inedible, there is no sense in blaming the meat. This is what happens when bacteria are left alone to breed. The question to ask is, is where is the salt? Just so if society deteriorates and its standards decline until it becomes like a dark night or a stinking fish, there is no sense in blaming society. That is what happens when fallen men and women are left to themselves and human selfishness is unchecked. The question to ask is, where's the church? Why are the salt and light of Jesus Christ not permeating and changing our society today? The question is, where's the church? Then he says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You know, nobody likes a poser. Nobody. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. So the first one, you are the light of the world. You've got to be the light. You've got to be the light. If I turn on all the lights in, the, in here and I turn on one light, it's amazing. I forget, uh, but it's amazing how fast light penetrates the darkness. Actually, darkness is is no longer a thing if light is involved because then it's not even there. It's light, right? A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden. The second thing is this. This is a whole different message for a different time. But number one, I'll go ahead and give you three points, and then I'll preach about it sometimes. One is this. You've got to be the light. Number two, don't hide it. Don't hide the light. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Then the last one is your light must shine before people in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You know what I thought about when I was thinking about the light? We used to have a house on Monroe Street. I was growing up. Debbie, you remember that house? It was a two-story home. Margaret, you remember that house? And down in the basement, it was like the basement on Home Alone. We had one of those furnaces, and it, rah, and if you went down there, sometimes you would never come back. But one of the things 
that I remember doing, you, you could do this. There's not much that I remember because I was young, but I do remember this. If you had all the lights out down in the basement when I was, like, really feeling brave, if you had a flashlight and you would turn it on, that was a home that had some roaches in it. And when you would turn that on, the roaches would scatter. <laughs> Can I tell you this? If you're living in the dark, Roaches are going to be attracted to you. But when you turn on the light, they scatter. The roach of the enemy, the roach of depression, the roach of loneliness. How many of y'all know we got some family members that are roaches? <laughs> we got some people in our life that are some roaches. That's for the D-Now message. I'm going to talk about that. them kids might not even know what roaches are. But I also know this. When you turn on the light, I just want to help somebody tonight. Now, I, now, my granny said this, and you've heard me say this. She'd sit on the back porch in Breckenridge, Texas, smoking them big Virginia Slims. She'd have, you know, if she didn't have her teeth in, she'd smoke. It looked like her lips would go all the way to the back of her brain. <laughs> Can y'all picture it? With CarMax, I mean, just... Oh, yeah, she'd give me one of the wettest, nasty kisses there ever was. But if she came back today, I'd gladly take a Carmex Marlboro breath kiss. But anyways, she, and she, she looked at that. The, she had one of those bug zappers. You know, and you had one. Here's the deal, and you, you know this. When you turn the light on, you're going to attract bugs. When the light is turned on, and if you got the light on, you got to know this. The enemy is going to try to bug you. But the, lighter, the light is greater than the darkness. The light is greater than the darkness. So be the light. Two, don't hide the light. Number three, let it shine. That's a different message for a different day. But can I, can I just encourage all of us? Let's be the salt and light of Jesus Christ. Let's not turn it on and off again. Salt of the earth. The earth out there needs salt. Light of the world. The world. The world needs the light. Amen? Let's be the salt and light. Wherever you are, whatever we're doing. Amen? Give God praise tonight if you got something out of the word. Amen. Well, God, I thank you for this time together. I just pray even now, God, as the word went forth, I pray that it is a lamp unto our feet. It is a light unto our path. And so, God, right now, I just pray that there's even ways, God, that uh, you're reviving things in people's spirits. That at one time, God, you gave dreams, you gave visions to people of things, of doors of opportunity that they should have started a long time ago. But I pray, Lord, that they would be comforted tonight, that if they're still here, that dream is still alive. And to be that difference of assault and light in their community, whatever it is. And so, God, I just pray that salt and light comes into our homes comes into our relationships, comes into our lifestyles. I pray that I pray that salt and light would penetrate, would penetrate just as 
uh, salt penetrates taste buds. I pray that people would taste and see that the Lord is good. I pray that the world around us would taste and see that the Lord is good. I pray that family members would taste and see that the Lord is good. And that his mercy endures forever. So, Lord, may God use me at your discretion. God, use me the rest of this week. Use me, God, everywhere that I am. May I be intentional to bring salt to the earth and light to the world. In Jesus' name, amen. You came on a Wednesday night. Praise the Lord. Well, y'all go, make a difference. May the Lord bless you, keep you, his face shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. And, hey, we have church this weekend. Come on. I'll see all of y'all in the second service except for you guys. All right? <laughs>